Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. I'm your host, Jay Ewing, pastor on the Erie campus. We're so glad you're listening today. We got a great episode for you. It's the middle of September here in Colorado. It's beautiful. After a rainy weekend, we're back to the heat. As well as we got a great guest with you today, my good friend Perry Marshall, who's Air Force beat up on the CU Buffaloes. Oh, Jay, I'm so <laughs> glad you brought that up. Mm. Yes. I was there. You were? For half of it. Wow, that's great. Yeah, it was. I was like a drowned rat. It was yeah. very wet. Very wet. I watched it from home. Nice. In the comfort of my home. Yeah, that was a, a better call. Yeah. So you graduated from the Air Force Academy. I did. Yeah. And went back down for the game? Went back down for the game, yeah. And left at halftime? They wanted me to come back. <laughs> for $37, they wanted me to come back. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. It was my the second very wet football game of that weekend because I also went to the Niwot High School football game, homecoming game, Whoa, the fun. night before. So, yeah. man, we were very saturated by the end of the weekend. <laughs> you know... Coloradans do own a rain jackets that we use seldomly. They do. Yeah. I, I need to invest in one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, you went down to the Air, the Air Force game. Now, is this true? Did they see you in Air Force play every year? No. No. So it's no. pretty rare. No, they played years ago on a somewhat consistent basis, and then... They had to give that up. I don't know the full history on it, but I believe it involved some skirmishes in the parking lot and things like that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Um, And then it just resumed um, a couple years ago, and um, Air Force came to Boulder and also was victorious. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, now it was CU's time to go down because a game was canceled whenever last year. Or the year before, whatever that was. And um, so that was resumed with CU going down to Air Force. And yeah, they also great. came in second. So. <laughs> I'm, guess you, I'm guessing the the one true John Boyle <laughs> did not talk to you very much on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it's awkward. <laughs> it's awkward. Is that why you're on the Erie campus today? Because you're avoiding the Boulder yeah, office? Yeah. You're it's, like, yeah. It's just awkward. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Did you wear Air Force of course on Sunday? Of course. Well, oh, not on Sunday. No. No? No. no. Not in the Lord's house? No. Well, we, yeah. It's awkward, Jay. We had a college <laughs> brunch, which is full of CU oh, students. Yeah, and, totally. you know, it, you got to, yeah. Yeah. It's just. Talk about the college brunch. I heard this in the all staff meeting this week. But. Yeah, really cool. We, we've just had a good number of CU students who have been showing up on Sunday mornings, and we love, love, love having them there. It just adds so much to our, um, our congregation to have um, a bunch of young adults there who, um, you know, bring the energy, enthusiasm that they just have naturally at their stage of life. And it's so much fun to, to have them there. So we had a brunch for them and we, uh, we had a good turnout. Almost uh, 50 students showed up, which wow. was really, really cool. Yeah. We've just seen a consistent, 
um, increase in the number of, of college students who have been around. So we, we really just hope that Calvary can be a place where they feel encouraged, challenged in their faith, where they feel like they can thrive. Yeah, man. That's an amazing testimony of your hard work over the last couple of years, the team's hard work over the last couple of years, and God's faithfulness. Yeah, God's faithfulness is definitely on display. Yeah, that's amazing, man. I love that. I love that. Yeah, so if you are on the Erie or the Thornton campus, including even the Boulder campus, from time to time, remember our college students and pray for those who call Calvary home in the seasons that they find themselves in here at CU and other places and other colleges on the front range but pray for them um as you think of them yeah because that's really important yeah it's such a fundamental time period yeah it's very pivotal my own story reflects that um where those college years can be such a game changer in terms of taking somebody who maybe you grew up in a home where you went to church you were exposed to christianity whatever you have parents who believe but um, college years are the time where you have to make your faith your own. Mm. And um, for others, though, they have never been exposed to that. They, they've had no contact with the church growing up. And those college years, likewise, can be a time where suddenly they have an encounter with the Lord. Yeah. So it literally right. can change the course of your life. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Man, what a, what a great privilege we have here at Calvary in honor just to host and have those college students. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, man. Well, that's great. We we started in the book, book of Luke, and we're going to go through Luke basically all the way till next Easter, which is a long time, but is a really fun time because it's one of it is one of the largest books of the New Testament, and it has a lot of implications for our lives these days. And so we want to slow down and talk week to week. Where this week is chapter five, correct? Yeah. Yeah, five and dipping our toe into chapter six as well, just a little bit. Okay, great. And then we came from chapter four this last week. How hard do you think it would be, and as a preacher here at Calvary, it's going to be when you get your chapter of Luke and have to pick sort of where you land the plane in that chapter? Yeah, it's it's not easy. Yeah, Luke is just full of episode after episode of incredible stories of, you know, these accounts of what Jesus has done to display his power, to reveal his identity, to teach about the gospel and the kingdom of God. And um, there's nothing that you want to skip over because it's just awesome. It's packed back to back to back. And, you know, Luke doesn't waste any any space. Yeah. And um, so it is. It's really challenging. And we're trying to align every week with that overarching theme of good news for all people. Um, so, but... You know, still that's broad enough so that everything fits into it. Yeah, too. Right. So it's it's Gospel it is Luke, challenge. Yeah. yeah, totally. When you think about Jesus Himself and sort of the highlights in which Luke highlights Jesus in, what are some key characteristics of Jesus that really stick out to you? Well, one is just Jesus's authority over every aspect of life. Right. When you see him performing these supernatural works. Um, where he reaches out to people who are sick, people who are lame, people who have some kind of deformity, some kind of a physical malady. Um, You know, Jesus displays this amazing authority over all kinds of physical problems. But then you see in the spiritual realm how Jesus also has authority over that 
area as well when he's casting out demons, when um, he just exhibits this um, awareness of everything that's going on in a person's life that he shouldn't know about. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, displaying his omniscience, how he knows all things. And then um, you, you just see his authority that, that um, nothing is out of reach Mm -hmm. for him. And um, then you back that up with the teaching and, you begin to see this picture of who Jesus is that is something that really we could spend our entire lives investigating it, researching it, trying to learn more about and and just grasp it. And even then it feels like we barely even scratch the surface of who Jesus is. Yeah, no doubt, man. That's really good information and good highlights for, for us as we read Luke to sort of think about what is who is Jesus and what is he doing in the sense of what does it show about his character? What does it show about his authority? As you say, um, I love that. What, as you're the writer of our small group questions and as you sit in the planning meeting on Mondays with the preachers, what else has stuck out to you so far in the, the gospel of Luke? I think one of the things that is remarkable when you see Jesus breaking down these barriers that had been set up by the religious authorities, um, you know, we often throw shade on the Pharisees, on the scribes, and you could say rightfully so in, in terms of how they had taken God's law, which is intended to be something good. And they turned it into this massive burden. Um, but we have to remember too, that their intent, um, which we can't, we can't say that we fully understand every intention of their hearts, but overall their intent is to follow God's ways, mm-hmm. but they had totally twisted it into something it was not intended to be. And so when you see how Christ then goes and he breaks through those barriers that God never intended, um, that's a beautiful thing. When you see him like reaching out to people who were people who the Pharisees and the scribes would want to keep their distance from. And Jesus goes out to them. He associates with them. He identifies with them. He sits around a table and eats with them, the tax collectors and sinners, right. um, for example. That's an amazing thing because it was some, it's like in our own day today, if we would go out to people who we would, we would rather not be around but instead just decide, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to purposefully intentionally go out of my way to be around them, to invite them over, to have a meal with them, to enter into their space, which really makes me uncomfortable. But those are the very people who God is going after, who the gospel is for. So that, that to me just reveals the heart of Jesus, reveals the heart of God. And it demonstrates to me what my life should be about as well as his follower. Right. That's so true, Perry. That's so true. You know, as you think about these barriers that Jesus is sort of getting past and breaking down, you know, one of the things I find super interesting is the language of the kingdom of God. And as you, we've started to sort of realize what that is within Luke 4, how in your own world and own ways in which you've lived, how have you seen the kingdom of God and how have you defined the kingdom of God in response to how the Bible talks about it. Yeah. I've, I've understood the kingdom of God in terms of like a definition as being um, the rule and the reign 
of Christ, wherever the rule and the reign of Christ is, that is the kingdom of God. And um, I, I think about, this is drawing from Matthew more than Luke, but thinking about the Lord's Prayer and um, that whole idea of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we see that the the overarching trajectory of history is that very idea of God's kingdom coming to earth, his will being done here on earth as it is in heaven. And so we want the rule and the reign of God to be present everywhere. And Jesus demonstrates, he reveals, gives a foretaste, so to speak, of what that looks like, where we do see these miraculous works of God, the healings, the exorcisms of these of the demonic influences and powers. You see that Jesus's authority brings these areas of darkness and casts them away with his light. And that's what God's kingdom is and what it does. And so we see that in these little episodes throughout the book of Luke where um, someone is healed. Well, that's God's kingdom coming in that moment right. to that person. It's a, it's a little exhibit of what God's kingdom means. You see, um, again, the demonic um, forces being chased away. And that, again, exhibits what God's kingdom means and what it brings. And so I, I think about how amazing it is that I would be invited into that, called into that as a follower of Jesus to be somebody who represents God's kingdom to the world around me. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, man, what, what a privilege that I am completely unworthy of what a task that I'm completely unable to do on my own strength. And that puts me exactly in the position of being ready to step into what God is offering me personally and the work that God wants to do through me, through his own power. Yeah, and for a very practical level, then the question I have rolling in my head is like, how does that work? How does the kingdom of God fit into like the local church? How does it fit into like Calvary Bible Church? Is Calvary Bible Church the kingdom of God, or is it yeah. the church that plays a part in the kingdom? Right. You know what I mean? Like is that confusing idea of like we got a church and we got the kingdom. Yeah. How do they? How yeah. do they balance, or how do they coexist together? Yeah, that's a huge question. Um, a very, very significant and important question. And I think of the church as being like an outpost of God's kingdom mm. in this in this side of eternity, um, so that we as God's people who come together are called to represent God's kingdom, to live out the ways of God's kingdom right now, mm. in the here and now, yeah, uh, the present good. moment of our lives. Do we do that perfectly? Absolutely not. Um, we are still, you know, held back by our sinful condition, our, our sinful ways. However, um, we have been redeemed. We've been saved by Christ and we have God's spirit within us to enable us to do what we are unable to do and to be who we are unable to be on our own. Um, so we are supposed to be that outpost that represents in this lifetime and in this place, what God's kingdom is about to the world around us. And by God's grace, you know, we would do that in a way that would draw others to faith and to bring them into our own community so that they too can be a part of this kind of outpost, so to speak, called the church Mm -hmm. in this age. No, that's really good. I I really like that. You know, as you were talking, even in the last 10 minutes, I, I sort of think, 
in Luke, there's a really unique thing about Jesus where he is okay with the tension of the religious elite and the sinner being in the same room. Yeah. He's in, he's okay with the tension of like the true believer and the nominal believer being in the same room. Right. He's okay with the non believer and like the, you know, all the, all the implications of the community that he was walking into and walking out of yeah. and associating with, there's really like a lot of ambiguity in his people. Does that make sense? Or the places he's going? Yeah, Jesus seems to know how to respond to the people around him in every moment, right? Right. And something that I wish I could do. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, and and it's interesting when you think about Jesus's harshest words were for the for for those people who supposedly had it figured out. Right. They were the um, they were the ones in positions of authority and the religious authority. And just as a disclaimer, like I'm not saying that we should be people who walk around like we don't have it figured out. That's very um, true. You know, we're not supposed to walk around like, oh gosh, we can't know the truth. We don't know what to do. Um, that's not a, a quality that we should be going after, but we should be going after the quality of humility. Mm. And um, there's a difference though between that and a lack of certainty. Like we can be certain about the core tenets of the gospel and what we believe and who Jesus is and still be humble. But we should go about with the humility as we approach other people and understanding that they are in need of a savior, but we are in need of that same savior. Like we, uh, we have not come to God based on our own merits or our own wisdom or, or anything like that, um, our own accomplishments, but we are completely um, in need of his work to save us just like anybody else is too. So hopefully when we're in that crowd of mixed people, mixed company, where some are believers, um, some are maybe young believers, some are maybe not yet believers, we should be able to approach each group of people with a humility and understanding that you know, we are all in need of, of the gospel. We are all in need of God's saving work um, because none of us have been able to um, come to God on our own merits. Yeah, Ephesians 2, definitely, yeah, right? right. In, in the works there, for sure. So as you looked at even the, it sort of drilled down to even this last week in Luke 4, when Jesus opens the scrolls in Isaiah, Isaiah 61, how unique is this act that he reads it and declares that's himself? How, you know, how does Jesus pick out the right scroll for the day or is it the reading of the week? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, in the synagogue, like yeah. as you sort of studied this, as you sort of process this, what are some observations you've, you think you've made in this whole process? Yeah. Well, I, I would just say up front, like it's something that, while I have looked at it, I, I have only looked at a small part of it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't have great answers to those questions. I do know that that's one of the big questions about the passage, though, whether Jesus went into the synagogue on this, on this occasion knowing that that scroll would be handed to him Which and there's he was a, ready to go. Because there's a church calendar, there's a church rhythm. He would know that being in his local synagogue. Yeah, potentially that's what's going on, or potentially um, it's just a providential thing right. um, that um, it could have been any scroll, but it just happened to be the right one, you know, in that moment. And either way, though, you know, we can see God's hand is at work in this. But it is amazing that he would take the words of the prophet Isaiah and apply them to himself 
you know, so many years afterwards. And it's also fascinating to me that this is the way he identifies himself. Like he could have used a lot of different texts. He could have used a lot of different words and descriptions of who he is. But instead, he, he goes down this route of saying that he's here to proclaim good news to the poor, liberty to the captive, sight to the blind, liberty to the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, using this, this language of setting people free, this language of giving sight, um, these are the very kinds of things that he is there to do. But it's just remarkable that he doesn't say, I am the Almighty, the Son of God, the one who was there at the creation. You know, there are lots of other ways that he could have um, had this great reveal. Yeah, no doubt. But instead, he he uses passages from Isaiah 61, which is just a beautiful, beautiful um, depiction of who he is. You know, as you think about some of the scenes in Luke, this is one of the most crucial scenes early, especially early on of who Jesus will be and who he is and how he will live through this. Yeah. And sort of the reality that he also, the readers need to know that like his hometown doesn't really know him. Right. And that's super important. Right. Yeah. It's the tension. This is the, the, the one who we say is fully human and fully divine. And the people in the scene, in this very, moment are wrestling in a mighty way with that isn't this the carpenter's son yeah right like they know the family they they remember jesus growing up um and i i think we should probably rather than just judge them we should probably um, appreciate the difficulty that they're in of taking this person who's so familiar to them and being able to accept that he is the long-awaited Messiah and all that that means. Because even that that idea of Messiah, which is a rabbit trail conversation, but even that whole idea of Messiah was a little bit skewed yep. in this day. Um, Definitely. So it's just it's incredible that Jesus would turn out to be this man mm-hmm. who they've waited for so long. Yeah, it is really incredible. And I think you're right in saying we should give them a lot of grace in this moment. Why would you miss that? Because there was a lot of political tension. There was a lot of historical tension. There was a lot of theological tension around this idea of who the Messiah would be. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Definitely. You know, it it would be a little bit confusing at the, at, at the onset of this, of who Jesus was. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the really great encouragement for me is that, his brothers missed it until the, after the resurrection. Yeah. You know, like your brothers, right? You know, the insiders of yeah. insiders get, missed it. Yeah. So as we, you know, go through the book of Luke and as you write sermon questions, um, I think it's really important for people to realize like some of the major themes. I talked to Thomas about this last week. Um, I'm sure you've you mentioned some of your themes. So nail down some of your favorite sort of themes of Luke, not just the broad themes, brushes, but what are you really interested in when it comes to Luke the themes? Yeah, I'm uh, one of the things I'm interested with Luke in particular is how meticulous he is with the details. Oh, that's really good. I, we haven't talked a lot about that. Yeah, he's so meticulous as he goes through even that opening, the a very opening verse mm-hmm. of the book of Luke. You know, 
I know we, we've already talked about that um, previously in um, discussion questions and in sermons, um, but it really is amazing that um, you see Luke's great care and concern to get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole value of eyewitness testimony is something that really can't be emphasized enough. Um, it was so vital in this time period to have that eyewitness testimony. And that's why we see the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all written within the lifetime of those eyewitnesses to make sure that the accounts are accurate. And, um, so that's, that's one thing that really stands out to me about Luke. Another thing too, though, is Luke's emphasis on, um, what others have referred to as like just the mission to the Gentiles, right? The, the mission, the ministry to people outside of Israel, ethnic Israel. Um, that really is why our theme is appropriate. Good news for the world, for the world. Um, for all people, because you do see that Jesus is again, crossing all of these boundaries that were not culturally, religiously appropriate for his day, but he doesn't care. He's, he's going to those very people who are the outsiders, who are the outcasts, so to speak. And he's um, bringing the gospel, the good news to them. He's revealing God's kingdom to them. So those are a couple of things that really stand out to me that I appreciate so much about Luke and uh, just the way that he writes. Yeah, I love that. It's really interesting if you're a historian to actually take Luke's detailed accounts and match them up with actually being in that place Yeah, and see how to the T they're accurate. Yeah. This is really amazing. Yeah, it, it is. It's sort of it, breathtaking. It truly is. Like you look at the um, account of um, the, the passage that's really familiar to us that we read every time around Christmas. But in those days, just as chapter two, verse one, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Well, guess what we can do? Like we can, we can trace back to when that exact time period was. Right. Um, so that, that level of detail is what Luke just goes after. And it's as though he's writing it for future generations to, almost like as a way that we can go out and verify and validate and say, oh, yeah, we know when this happened because of the historical detail that he puts in there. That's so good, Perry. Thanks for sitting down with us today. Thanks for investing in Calvary by writing those certain questions from week to week and thinking about sort of the major themes, points that we need to talk about in our life groups. You bet. Super appreciative. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a privilege to be able to do it. Good. Hey, Calvary, we're so grateful you're listening today. Like always, you need to go to calvarybible.com, click your campus, find out what's happening in your neck of the woods. I want to highlight just one major thing because Perry and I are both in the room. Men's Retreat is happening very soon, this October 21st through the 23rd. We would love for you to be there. If you're a man at Calvary, we would love for you to be there. Um, You can register today. You need to register today. Spots are filling up. I would say by the end of the week, half of the retreat might be sold out. Could be. Yeah, it's getting close. So go to calvarybible.com slash men go or calvarybible.com slash events. Sign up for the men's retreat today. Like always, you can find out what's happening at Calvary there. Like I always say, calvarybible.com. All right, people. Love you. Talk to you soon. Look forward to being with you. And like always, you can write us at theweekly at calvarybible.com. And I would love to hear from you. All right, Perry, let's get out of here. Bye.